to satisfy the world's need for justice with service, servanthood. The Bible teaches that justice happens when people serve one another. I'm not talking about service as like I do a little token service or like some sort of spiritual discipline. This is an entire way of orienting our lives. If you don't like the way the world works, I'm here to tell you filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to change it. This world is filled with injustice. Many times it can become completely overwhelming and we can feel there's nothing we can do to make a change. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reveals a simple biblical way to begin to tackle the problem of injustice, service. Jesus served people everywhere he went, not allowing their lifestyle, nationality, gender, or anything else to stop him. We can follow his example and begin to change the world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Need for Justice. People say often, as it relates to Christianity, is, okay, so if Jesus is real, let your life reflect it. Show it to me in the way that you live. And oftentimes when people choose to cast dispersions on the church of Jesus Christ, one of the main ways that they do it is by looking at the church and saying, would Jesus really be that way? And you know, that's a really great question, actually. See, there's an old saying that the proof is in the pudding, right? And true biblical Christianity It's not just a set of beliefs that we hold. It's a set of beliefs that we hold that lead into a life that we live that reflects who Jesus is in the world. And for each one of us, we have to ask ourselves is, does my faith in Jesus translate into a life that is uncommon? A life that is uncompromising. A life that has a certain fragrance to it. I believe in a lot of ways, the church as an institution has actually failed the people of God in this regard. It's kind of a serious thing to say at the beginning of a message. That the church as an institution has failed the people of God because in a lot of ways what churches want, church as an institution, is they want people to come to church, right? And you can say a church is good by how many people come to church. But you know what's amazing is is that the Bible doesn't teach come to church. The Bible teaches that we need to be the church. Amen. That you and I are supposed to be the people of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Part of being the people of God is gathering together with the people of God and growing and learning in community. Only in America 
do people have the idea, I can be a Christian and not be part of church? Because we live in an individualistic culture. But remember, Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, not my Father, our Father. It's always in community with Jesus. Really, my hope as a pastor is that all of us will be the church. Not only when we're here on Sundays or maybe Wednesdays or Tuesday at men's or women's group or Friday at recovery or in your small group, but that each one of us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we would be about the work of God's kingdom, that we would live our lives holistically in such a way that we would always be the church, and at times we would get together and gather at the church building. And that's why we're doing this series called The Art of Living, that hashtag art of living, because you and I always need continual refresher courses in the main thing is that we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, right? That's what we've been talking about. We're living upward, loving God. We live inward, loving ourselves, and we live outward, loving our neighbors. And we spent four messages talking about what it means to live upward, to love God, where we focused on God the Father and God's work of creation. Then we spent four messages looking at what it means to live inward, right? How to love ourselves. And we made the point that when we live inward, it's not just about making us the most important thing. We're focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus, so that we see ourselves truly. And we can't divorce loving God from loving ourselves. When we do, in our culture, we love ourselves, we don't love God, and you get all the ills of society because of it. But when you love God, then you love yourself. Now, starting this message, and for the next number of messages, we're going to focus on what it means to live outward, what it means to love our neighbors. Now, if living upward focuses on God the Father and God's work of creation, and if living inward Loving ourselves focuses on Jesus the Son and the finished work of the cross. Which part of the Trinity do you think we're focusing on when it comes to living outward? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the primary biblical account of the work of the Spirit is the day of Pentecost. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot love your neighbor without the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. You can try for a season But you know that when we have a good intention to live a certain way, then we get confronted by life and over time and we lose the passion. But when the Spirit of God fills our hearts, see, God loves our neighbors more than we ever could. And our neighbors do not need our fickle, faulty love, depending on if we like their Christmas decorations or if they did a good job putting a turkey in the window or whatever. But our neighbors need the pure and undefiled love of God. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to get this out there. Because remember we said, when we're focusing on loving God, we're looking at divinity, who God is. And when we focus on loving ourselves, it's our identity, who we are. Now, this idea of living outward, now we're talking about mission. That each one of us live in the world and should be on mission with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his hands and feet in the world. Now, who's your neighbor? And no, I'm not talking about Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Everybody. See, the Bible teaches that your neighbor and my neighbor is not just the person who lives in the house with you or the people who live in the next address next to you. 
Your neighbor is everybody who lives in the world because we share God's created order with other human living souls. And according to the Bible, everybody's our neighbor. And we live in a day and age where loving our neighbor is kind of in short supply. Let alone is there bickering in HOA associations that people can't get along with their neighbors in their apartment complexes, but people can't get along with their families and they can't get along with people of other nations. What does it mean to love our neighbors? Now, this is in the news a lot because you have all sorts of things going on all over the world. Now, I want to get at something that I think is important. Every single one of us is responsible to figure out how to live And we live in a world, it's the world the way that it is, and then the world the way it ought to be. And there's a tension there, because for most of us, and politics does a great job of focusing us on the world the way it is, and we need to make decisions based on the world the way it is, right? It's kind of like this realism of this is what is, and you need to make a decision based on what it is. But things are never going to change until a group of people say, this is the way that it is. But this is the way that it could be, the way that it ought to be. And I'm here to tell you, that is the work of the people of God. The work of the people of God is to say, this is the way the world is, because we're wise as serpents, but this is the way the world could be and ought to be. And somebody has to rise above all of the stuff and all the noise and say, yes, this is what is, but this is the way it could be. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that because of the Spirit of God, that is the work of the church. The people of God, not a nation or a government, but the people who call themselves by the name of Jesus. And if there was ever a time we needed to look at what it means to live outward, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be on mission, to be spirit-filled with God's kingdom at the forefront, it is right now. So when we start looking at what does it mean to live in the world, if you were to say, what does the world need right now? I would tell you that most people would say one of the driving needs of humanity is a need for justice. Justice. What is justice? At its simplest definition, justice is fairness. Right? It's that people have an opportunity that is fair. It's an action that pays regard to the proper interests and property and safety of another person. You look at all the things that people get worked up about in our culture. Things like black lives matter. That's a justice issue. Because guess what? They do matter. And then people say, well, yeah, and all lives matter. Yes. But when you see situations where things seem to be slanted, you're like, that ain't right. That's not okay. How many of you guys remember the Occupy Wall Street thing that went on? It was a question of fairness. Is it fair that some people have access to multi-millions of dollars and there's people living in poverty? Right? You can go down the list of everything that our culture gets worked up about, and it almost always is a question of justice, fairness. Now, Some of you might be saying, so Fusco, what are you saying? I'm not answering those questions for you. I think the key is, are we asking those questions? See, you know what the problem is with politics? The problem with politics is politics always wants to not let you look at 
what justice is, it's just about getting you onto their side, right? Who do I demonize? Who do I celebrate? And how do I get you to vote for my party? And guess what? That's living how the world is, not the way the world ought to be. See, I can't tell you how to answer how do we deal with wage biases? How do we deal with the way things are working in the world? I can't answer. But my thing is, as a pastor, we need to be willing to ask the questions. How do we live in a just world? How do we do it? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. It's a powerful statement. When we allow injustice to continue, that actually threatens justice everywhere. And it does. And you have to realize, if you do a Bible search on the word justice, it is everywhere in your Bible. The same root word is justice and righteousness. See, justice is the principle of what is right, and righteous is the acting out of the principle of what is right. You have things like Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does God require of you? That you do justly and you love mercy and you walk humbly with your God. Things about God's justice coming in like the morning tide. God as a just God. So one thing that the world needs, let me ask you this. We'll do it this way. How many of you feel that there are things in the world today that are unfair Everybody in this room pretty much feels like there's some area of injustice. Like, how many of us on Thanksgiving Day, we watched a bunch of guys get all dressed up and tackle the snot out of each other. The quarterbacks get paid $20 million a year, and the people who teach your kids get $30,000 to start educating your kids. Is that right? I don't know. See, I don't know the answers to the questions. I just know we have to ask the questions. Or how about our favorite folks in politics? They rack up debts that our kids, kids, kids can't pay off, and yet they get guaranteed pensions and health insurance for life. Is that right? But we got to ask the questions. See, our job as the people of God is to ask the questions. What does a just world look like? What does a fair world look like? Now, listen, this is important. I didn't come here today to talk to you about politics. I mean, think about the word, politics. Poly is many, and ticks are blood-sucking organisms. So you do the math. That was a good one, right? That isn't really what politics means, just so you know. Actually, the word polis is the Greek word for city, and so politics is the ruling of the city. But it is a good joke, isn't it? You can use it with your friends, unless they're politicians, and then you just pray for them. But I didn't really want to talk to you about politics or politicians. I want to talk to you about Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Because we are so busy looking at governments and people to bring justice that we forget that Jesus said on the cross, what? It's finished. Jesus is the ultimate justice seeker and bringer, and we can look to the ends of time at human governments. But the only way we will truly see justice in the world is when we get our eyes off the government and we put our eyes on Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus actually teaches us how to be a part of the world being fair, being just, being right. How? Listen, we need to satisfy the world's need for justice 
with service, servanthood. The Bible teaches that justice happens when people serve one another. I'm not talking about service as like I do a little token service or like some sort of spiritual discipline. This is an entire way of orienting our lives. If you don't like the way the world works, I'm here to tell you, fill with the Holy Spirit, you need to change it. Don't complain about it. You and I have the power to change it. And the way that we change an unjust, unfair world into a just and fair place is through service. How do I know? Open up in your Bibles to John's gospel, chapter 13. John chapter 13. Open up your Bibles. You need to see this. If you have a smartphone, just type in John chapter 13. John 13. It's the fourth gospel in what we call the New Testament, that last third of your Bible, which tells about Jesus. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's the fourth gospel, chapter 13. This chapter, if you're new to the Bible, you've heard about this. Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Richard Foster, the author, said Jesus took a towel and a basin of water, and he redefined greatness. And he gets this right out of this chapter, that with a towel and a basin of water... Jesus redefined greatness because we see Jesus as a quintessential servant. Look at what it says. I'm going to read you the whole section. John 13, verses 1 to 17, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to his father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And suffer being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he was bathed, need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's a powerful section of scripture, isn't it? Now, you notice in the beginning, before the Apostle John begins to tell the story, we get this little preamble. It was before the feast of the Passover. Jesus knew in verse 1 that his hour had come, that he should depart 
from this world to the Father. It says he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, arose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And then he put water in a basin. You see what's going on here. See, all through the Gospels, it wasn't Jesus' time. His time had not yet come. He was doing the work of ministry, but that special appointed hour for him to give up his life for the sins of the world, it was upon him. And notice, Jesus had a settled trust in God. He knew that God was in control. He knew that he had come from God and that he was going to God. He knew that God had everything in his hands. And he also knew that Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, devil had already put it in his heart to betray Jesus. This is Jesus' last meal with his disciples. But notice it says, he loved his own who were in the world And he loved them to the end. And then it says, then he took up this towel and this water basin and he washed their feet. Why? Because service is love in action. See, service is love with legs on it in action. See, you could imagine if it was your last meal, imagine like the angel Gabriel showed up to you before Thanksgiving and said, listen, this is the last meal you're ever going to have. You're going to eat that third piece of carrot cake. You're going to just get wiped out right then. It's going to come out your nose. If you know the Bible, the graves of lust, right? Kibroth HaTavah from the book of Numbers. For those of you who don't know, write it down. Google it later. You'll know how deep we are here. Imagine if it was your last meal. What would you do in your last meal? You definitely wouldn't be like, hey, it's my last meal. I'm going to do the dishes, Right? If it's the very last meal you're ever going to get, you're going to be like, okay, my last meal. Okay, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I am not doing the dishes, right? But Jesus' last meal, he loves his own to the end. He realizes that nobody went around and washed the people's feet. And so Jesus volunteered for the job. Why? Because he loved his disciples. Not just with an idea, hey, love you, bro. But he really loved them. He loved them so much that Jesus served his disciples. See, what we don't realize is that we don't have people who wash people's feet in our home. And the reason we don't is, praise God for the most part, people wear shoes, you know? But back in the day, people wore their Birkenstocks, their Tevas, their, you know, they didn't have closed toe shoes and they lived in an arid climate. So how many of you ever gone hiking in flip-flops before? What do you end up? You end up with like the dirt sock, right? Because you're trudging on the trails and it's arid and it's dusty and there's nothing to protect you. Now, in that culture, if a house had servants, the lowest servant on the totem pole would be the foot washer. It was the most stank, nasty job that someone could come up with. So much so that if a house had both Jewish and Gentile servants, the Gentile always ended up having to do that job. It was for the least person on the totem pole. And you can imagine why because that's a nasty job, right? Jesus is real. In a world filled with injustice, Jesus gave us a simple way to begin to change things. 
Pastor Daniel showed us in today's message how Jesus chose to serve others, no matter who they were or how terrible their lives were. His example is one we should follow. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I am so excited. You know why? I just wrote a brand new book and it just released. It's called Upward, Inward, and Outward. Loving God, loving yourself, and loving people. It's all based on Jesus' greatest commandment. He's the greatest person who ever lived. He's Lord and Savior. He's the greatest teacher who ever lived. And he said, this is the most important thing. So we want to grow in it together. Grab a copy at my website, danielfusco.com, or wherever you like to buy books so that we can grow upward, inward, and outward together. God bless you. Pastor Daniel focus on the greatest commandment in his new book, Upward, Inward, Outward, Loving God, Loving Yourself, and Loving People, will challenge and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Please visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. There you'll find a link where you can support Jesus Is Real Radio. For anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $15 or more, we will send you a special limited edition signed copy of Upward, Inward, Outward. Loving God, loving yourself, and loving people. Again, that's JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel shares specifically how Jesus was willing to serve other people. He was willing to do the dirtiest job to show his disciples what true love and true servanthood looks like. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.